Hi, this is Tony Silva. And Charles Wiz. Episode 96, Two Teachers Talking. Talking about uh, teaching and specifically teaching English in Japan. Um, how we had fun with it and how we <laughs> struggle with it. <laughs> and today, um, talking about teaching presentation skills. Yeah. Uh-huh. Presentation skills. Impor- um, important stuff, I think. I think. I uh, think so. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, how it's been traditionally taught? No. Disagree. Uh, well, it's still well. No, how it's been traditionally taught? Of course not, because that's not what we do. <laughs> <laughs> we're not traditional. I'm talking about but... we're not traditionally. We're talking about what we do. And how good okay. It is. Well, then... but uh, we still operate though under. And I know what you're going to say. We're still operating under that old idea of like um, students participating, you know, memorizing a speech and going into a speech contest. Yes. And this the, this onus of beautiful English, uh, which is. In, in a lot of ways, just kind of the antithesis of what makes a good presentation, right? In terms of what we we think, we we, we don't care about how the table is set. It's like it's like the main course is like how does does it? You know, what are we going to eat? Uh, we, presentation kind of well, <laughs> small pun. Uh, the presentation matters a lot less than actual the, the meat. Um, but yeah, that old idea of the speech contest uh, really kind of still hangs over us, huh? In many ways, and you have that story, I think, where you talked about in the early on in your teaching career where you're judging a, a speech contest. Oh man, yes, I remember it was. Um, it was I was I was still at the Semongako. It was a national Mainichi uh, speech contest, and we, I, I and my senpai had been recruited as judges. And the panel, I think there were, we were the two native speakers, and there were three Japanese judges. And one of the contestants, we went, we, it was a score, but we go back. And it was, there was some agreement in the middle, but this one guy, the three Japanese judges judged him the best, and uh, my senpai and I <laughs> judged him at the absolute bottom. Um, painful to listen to. He did. Uh, the uh, the echo speech, which is kind of like the narcissist story, you know, the guy talking to his reflection in the in the in the pond, painfully overdone intonation where he's like swooping up and down octaves, um, which they thought was wonderful. And it was like and as I said, we was for us was just painful, and so we looked at each other and we said, "It's like." What we, is that what we sound like to them? <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> the two languages are very different in that way, right? I mean, it's like English does go up and down much more than the, than the Japanese, but it's not like Italian. <laughs> well, it's the uh, difference between um, what um, the rhythm and where the stress lies. Mm-hmm. Well, rhythm, stress, ha- and tone, right? Both. Right. And how many, for example, English gets pretty much one count on each word but it has its different it's stress timing and rhythm timing i forget what the I rhythm is very very mouth. different and and the yes. tone is very different so so we do go up and down but not like this guy did <laughs> well part of it um is and we could talk about this when we talk about presentations is that it's just really hard to give a, a talk with emotion that is memorized or learned and have it come across sincerely and this is why of course it's obvious when you're listening to someone who's not a professional actor or a really great actor. It's like it doesn't work. And it's an art form and it's a hard thing to learn. But you're right that there is that 
distinction. And I like what you said. How did you describe it, Tony? The difference between uh, it's a speech and a presentation. You said that. How did it work? A speech I, I didn't. Is just... I didn't really. I didn't lay it out. But there are two very different things. A speech is very often. You know, it's it. Well, I think of it. It's pretty much one way and pretty much just um, verbal. There is no. And you know, generally in a speech, the person is stationary. Uh, it's prepared. Well, like presentations are prepared too, but it's very much one way. And it's it's. I I, I didn't explain this, but presentations, on the other hand, are, are a lot less formal, right? And um, almost these days, almost always involve some kind of um, visual support in 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 the in the. In the the means of like slides, you know, PowerPoint slides or, okay. or keynote slides, or something. So, and they tend to be just more casual. And I think the relationship between the speaker and the audience is is much more personal, rather than a okay. speech where it's, you know, the the speaker is maybe more distant and maybe on a higher level and stationary. So maybe 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 it's just formality. I mean, and with and with that. the speeches without slides, without visual aids, right, usually. Right. Okay. And so we're talking about presentations. Right. Right. Teaching presentations. So you know, I, I guess the question I have is: Okay, if we under- agree we're talking about presentations, not speeches, then why is it even important to teach it to these students? I, I I've argued that I don't know if they're ever going to really give presentations the way it usually gets taught in Japanese universities. Well, and I think you have a different idea. You think that yeah, they will yeah. have needs in their lives. And I think, yeah, and um, as unfortunately so often, it may come down to semantics or definition of presentation, but I, on the other hand, think that they will have opportunities to do this um, in many aspects of their life. And, um, and I think, well, at least the way that I teach it, a lot of the presentation skills are almost all completely transferable to other languages, including their native language. And so when I think about presentations, it could be a presentation with slides to a a, big room full of people where you're on the stage and uh, et cetera. It could be a small group of like four or five people, uh, like just a ordinary meeting in an office where you've got an idea or you've got an, your boss has an idea and you've got to like sell it to the to the department or it's a sale you know it's a sales visit where you're explaining a product or a service to a client um a PTA meeting where you have a i there's a problem and you've been selected to explain this problem to the school or the other parents and I would so I would go as far as to saying it's like and you know actually you know when you're in a group of people and you and you really want to go for Thai food no one else wants to go for Thai food you want to convince them to go for Thai food that's a presentation and <laughs> I think that that power of persuasion um, that empower it, it is empowering and to give somebody the skills to be able to communicate your ideas and to persuade. A group of people, whether it's a group of four, a group of 40, or a group of 400, um, to understand your idea and to persuade them to come around to your way of looking at things. Um, 
I think if we can teach our students that, I think that's probably a pretty good thing. And I'm and and and, and kind of. I'm kind of hot about it. I'm kind of psyched about it. I like I like doing it. I'm not real good at it yet, but but I like doing it. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I think <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've persuaded me yet, mm. but I think. Wait till you see my slides. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see them. I can't see them. I'm yeah. blinded. I'm blinded right. by the light. Right. Um, what I think, and I uh, here's where I disagree with you. I think most of my students will never give a presentation to a group of 20 to 30 or 40, 50 people, definitely not 100 to 200 people. That's not going to happen in their lives unless they're asked to give the speech at a wedding for their best friend. But I do think that, as you pointed out, they will be in groups of four or five people presenting an idea from their boss or... Uh, in a meeting in work, in their workplace. So what I'd like to do is I think we need to make a distinction that when I see most people teaching presentation, because at my university, we actually have English presentations. It's a required course for every first year student. They have to take one semester of that. And I'll walk by classrooms and I'll see the one student giving the speech or presentation to the entire class and the teachers in the front taking notes and scoring the student. And guess what I see with the rest of the class? Oh, of students. course, they're totally disengaged. No right. one's paying so, attention. I got it. Exactly. So I, I look at that and I say, so what are we teaching our students? We're teaching our students to talk to a disinterested audience. So I think if we're going to talk about presentations, I want to first come look at it from just the pedagogical approach, right? Which is that I disagree with that one person at a time talking to the entire class, because I just don't think that's going to happen to most of these people. And we've talked about this before, whereas in my classes, the presentations are done in groups. Let's say I start off with one to one, and then they go to a group of three and a group of four. And if we have at the end of the semester, they're presenting to maybe five or six people. And there's so many advantages to that. And I think it's so much more realistic than the talking to a group of 30 students or talking to 30 people, because I just don't know, you know, how many people are actually going to speak at a PTA meeting. And the other thing, Tony, that I'm not sure of is persuasive speaking, because that's such a high level of rhetoric. And I don't know if most of my students are really going to get there. And I do know that teaching my students to make a statement, make a claim, and then provide evidence for that claim is where I focus on things. So I'm much more interested in my students giving informative speeches, where they're actually providing the evidence, backing up their statements, giving examples, and you know, telling the story and understanding the narrative. So I'm not sure that they need persuasive speaking either. So I'm going to disagree. I don't think they need to learn to speak to a large group, and I don't think they need to learn persuasive speaking, although I think it is helpful. So there, that's what I think. Well, I think uh, when I teach the presentation, I teach both, um, if I can. Um, I teach, I start, as you do, with, like with small groups. Um, depending on class sizes, if I can, I will also include uh, uh, presentation to large large groups. So, um, perspective, right? I have um, where I where I teach presentation skills. 
uh, one is part of an integrated English class, as it's called, but each of those classes is 45. So obviously, I do not have the students giving presentations to the whole class. It's all done in small groups of four or five students. Um, we have one day where they um, do practice sessions where they do presentations twice. Um, then we have the next, the following week, the, the final presentations where they, again, give the same presentation to small groups, four or five, um, twice. And the students score and in, in grade themselves. Um, on the other hand, I did have a, a class which was, you know, not the, the syllabus, not very well structured. Again, it was given to me, um, but presentations were part of the class. Um, but in the second semester, because mo- a lot of the students um, went to study abroad, it was a, a class of 10. And so, yes, that class, uh, they at, at, their, at, at the end, they gave presentations to the, to the entire class. Um, yeah, I think, you know, PTA meetings, condo, neighborhood associations, business meetings, sales, I think I'm not, I, I think that they'll, they'll meet up with this maybe more often than you think. But in either case, like, we just don't know. Um, but I think, and again, if you, if you take it a little step, you know, lower, it's, for example, you know, going to lunch where you want to go to lunch. Um, you know, this movie rather than that movie. Um, and I, I don't know that I think that the, the, the persuasion is a, is a big jump up. I think it's, I think it's a small step from like an informational presentation to a persuasive presentation, depending on how you want to spin it. Because if you select and choose the information you present and you do it well, it might not seem like persuasion, but if you get that information, you're going to maybe change the way you think. And I think that's worthwhile, and I think that's important, and I think that's, as I said, empowering um, to give people the ability to, um, if not necessarily persuade someone else to come around to your way of thinking, to at least be able to effectively communicate um, information or opinion. Yeah. That I can't argue with. Um, I, the latter part is especially true. I think it's when people, I, I, I see these syllabus, syllabi and what we're supposed to teach in different schools and it'll say, you know, be able to persuade the audience to, ex, you know, accept their opinion. And my students haven't even learned the difference between opinion and fact. I know that I can go in with first year students mm. and try to ask them, what's the difference between a fact and an opinion? And they're for the first time confronting this question. Yeah, and, you, yeah you can see the confusion in their faces. Right. And so... And, you know, just the complete difference in how Japanese and English are structured. For example, in English, you would say, I believe or I think, and then you make your claim, right? And in Japanese, you would basically, you say what you're saying, and then you add at the end, I think. It's, and getting them used to that, but getting them used to declaring that this is an opinion, I am signaling an opinion, or this is... It is is said that. Pardon me? It is said that. Right. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And it's passive voice. Mm. But the getting my students just to be able to understand and use concrete language. So, okay. Sure. So sure. here's where I focus on in presentations. So maybe I'll just go with where what I've gotten to. So 
It's small group presentations. It's never, never, never given to the entire class. And the focus is on uh, concrete language. In other words, get rid of your adjectives, use um, data, use information. As much as possible, use quantitative information. Do not say Tokyo's big. Say Tokyo is, is a city with a population of you know 12 million people, et cetera. So that takes easily five, six weeks to get that deeply ingrained in them. I don't know about how it is for you, uh, because again, this is, it's a much more difficult class to teach in many ways than a traditional English class. So I'm teaching concrete language. I teach the concept of claims where you make a statement about the world, and then you need the concrete data, you need the concrete information to, I guess for lack of a better word, persuade the audience that it's true. We're looking at examples and details writing that. And then there's the general overriding structure. But getting my students, especially, and these are Japanese students, into this idea that when you make a, a statement, you have to provide evidence for the veracity of that statement is a very big mental change for them. And we see that in the way they communicate. I, I watched the new Star Wars movie. I liked it. And that's the end of the statement. Rather Why than, did you like it? Because it was good. Yes. Why was it good? Because uh, I liked it. Right, right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Welcome. To, I don't know how to say tautology in Japanese. It's, it's, yes, yes. Um, maybe argument. And, and also into that, somehow you can also have to um, probably teach a good amount of like research skills. Like, oh, so you're, you're, yeah. Right? Because oh, yeah. if, you're, if you're, you're, you're asking, as, as I do, um, asking students to substantiate anything that they're saying with facts, you have to teach them how to go get those facts and how to filter out, um, you know, especially these days, fake news. Um, but yeah, we even outside of the political realm, but just that there's, I mean, yeah, okay, well, if you're going to do research, of course, today you're going to get on the internet. And we, we know what a sewer that is. And you need to, you know, train students to develop filters to be able to decide is this a is this a reliable source is it not a reliable source how do you get to those sources in the first place um etc cetera, etc cetera. so the the research skills go hand in hand with this um uh collecting valid data and then being able to present that data in support of either just providing information or, or persuasion so in that respect, I mean, you and I are pretty much on, on, the, on the same page, I think. Right. And I think we both believe that those research skills have to be taught across the curriculum. And I don't know how often I've said to a student. Mm. Yes. Right. Because it just can't exist in one class. We, we, we've talked about this so it just, often. It goes, this falls right between the grades. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What will happen is they'll leave my class and then unless another teacher picks it up. But I don't know how often I've asked a student, well, where did you get this information? Where's this information from? And they say, the internet. And mm -hmm. you try to say, okay, well, that's like saying you got the information from the library. Um, because these are things that are only recently, I think, beginning to filter down into high schools. And so we're talking, when you get a freshman student at a Japanese university, you're really looking at a young person who is not familiar with a lot of the ways of thinking that we take for granted. Mm. Um, and I use my daughter as an example, being at international school, where she's been doing citations, I think, since like fifth grade. 
in her papers. They're taught citations. They're taught that. So the value of the presentation class here, I think, is, is what you're saying is that, yeah, it, it requires, it's like a writing class. It's actually not exactly the exact subject that's so important as much as it's the skills involved in that subject that the students can use and learn. And, you know, the writing, citations, the research, that folds in very nicely into presentation classes. But when you look at a lot of universities, there's no connection between the writing and presentation classes, which would be a really nice fit. Right, right. So, yeah, I I completely agree with you about just the importance of research skills, being able to state data. So I think we agree on that. Um, and it's useful. And so in that sense, yes, presentation classes will transfer into real-life skills. And I think that's really true but you know when you start off teaching your presentation class and you, i have my students doing their groups and i'm kind of just listening from a distance because uh the, the oh let me something i've i'm going off track here real quickly but i don't listen to my students presentations because the teacher makes them nervous and i ask them you know i'll say hey if you want me to listen to your presentation in your small groups please raise your hand and I will happily listen. And it's interesting. It's really that's a nice little. That's a nice touch. I like that. And it's only the really advanced, confident students to do it. But the students will. They tell you. You know, I this teacher makes them nervous. By the way, that's something I do. Is I will ask students if they're working in groups. Even do you mind if I listen? And it's amazing to watch the shock on their faces <clears throat> that the teacher actually asks that because they say, "Look, if I'm going to make you nervous, I don't want to be here." You know, it's really leave them alone when they're working in groups. But um, it's amazing to me how poor those first presentations will be, that they have no general conception of what makes a good presentation. 90% of the students will write it out and will read. And then you get, of course, the monotone of... Sure. Ooh, so right? so you, in your classes, you, you allow them to have paper? They're allowed to have... They use mind maps. Okay. That's really the requirement is, you know, you use mind maps. You, you are can't not, read, right? You cannot read. and But, you know, it's amazing. I tell students, you can't read, you can't read, you can't read. <laughs> and there's always the, out of 30 students, there's always the two or three who write out their speech. And you say, okay, sure. I told you not sure. to do this. And, and they'll do it again. Sure. It's interesting. It's really, really, the uptake issue is a real interesting one. But, yeah, I find that mind maps, requiring them to provide me with mind maps, um, solves the problem of reading. Mm. So I make them use mind maps. What do you do for that? You don't let them read either, right? A different, uh, the two different, I, I teach two different things and they're just so different. One is extremely high level. The other ones is so really, really low level. They're really not, I'm really asking too much of them to, to do these presentations. So um, with the, um, the, with the high level students, um, I'm kind of hands off. Um, I, I, I tell them that, yeah, there's there's no reading, et cetera, et cetera. But they're all uh, those groups are all they're scored by other students. I mean, I don't give them the grade. The other students give them the grade. Yeah, I, and I, I've done and that I give them a years, checklist, yes. and it's like, oh, it's like, I okay. Is it you know? Is it memorize? You know, you know, look, is it memorize? Is it practice? Is it preparation? Blah blah blah. And then you know, these are the criteria that you use, and like, then you rank each other. Not not score, but rank because not everybody gets a hundred. No, no, no. One of you was the best, one of you was the second best, one was third, one was fourth. That's an interesting um, way to do that. 
Well, because otherwise it's there's no there's no reliability from group to group because some groups will be very conscientious and really like try to scores like no no you really that was really a seventy five, and the other group is like ha 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 everybody gets a hundred. You know it's interesting because I I have them score each other by points. Mm -hmm. And I tend to curve that and find, you know, the average score and use that as a center point. But I've noticed that I've looked at the numbers and not most of the time the scores are across different groups tend to be pretty consistent. I, I don't get I, like a yeah, 90 yeah. in one group and a 45 in another. My group scores do not well, it vary. It would be a 90 much. 45, but I'll, we go for being 100 to 75. It's because like, cause they, some, you know, some groups is like everybody gets 100. Right. But then if you take like, no, the average of everybody, you still get a pretty consistent score, I think, which is what I do. You know, they'll, they'll do their presentations, get scored by two or three people per group. They do four groups. I get 12 different <laughs> scores for one person. <laughs> and, you know, you take the average there, you t I think you get a pretty reliable score of how they're doing. And you know what? We're also assuming that they're performing equally well every time. And the variation in those scores is due to the way the group score them. And it might be that, hey, maybe they just didn't do a good job one time. Right, right, right. That's what that's you have to mix it up and you have like multiple instances. But I like what you do, how stuff. you rank, you know, so they get like, if somebody's like the best across three different presentations, then obviously... And if they're and I, the and lowest, I, will also, I and say, I will ah. also I was also tweak that, right? And I will, like, look as if, like, for example, I just do a random groups, right? And say, mix, okay, here you are, okay, and mix it up again, okay, no, new groups, it's all random. Because these, you know, these are class of 45 kids. Um, but I'll walk around and I'll look and I'll see, okay, <laughs> this group's got, like, three stars in there. <laughs> and it's like, it's not really fair that, like, you did all this work and it's like you're getting like a really you know low score on this it's like oh, i'll mix it up I'll, I'll just give this group a note it's like okay your group blah 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 i you know you get for, for example the best best person's fight okay you guys get two fives two fours and a three so rather than a five four three two one um and but yeah it all it kind of comes together and, and yeah it's it's imperfect mm. but uh, again, when I when I uh, talk about the presentation, one of the big things that I that I try to teach them is audience awareness. Mm -hmm. And I said, so when you because I also have to teach them like part of it, 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 in this curriculum, the syllabus, they have to write persuasive essays. And so when they write their persuasive essays, um, I am the audience, and so their topic selection and the information they use to support their position is aimed at me. And when they do their presentations, uh, their audience are their cohorts and their topic selection, which is a big part of what I teach. Um, and the reason, you know, how do you su get supporting information for that and how you present it is very very different it's like these this is your audience so it's very different if you're going to be presenting to me you're going to want to you're going to want to do this 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 and this this is different you are presenting to your peers um you have to th consider both it's like what are they going to find interesting you're going to have to think about okay what is in your heart what's important to you what's means something to you do you really believe what you're saying um, and you also think about like the people that you're talking to, do they do they care? And it's like yeah, for you, yeah, the new honk you train might be the the greatest thing in the world. But think about your audience. It's like they might or they might not 
if you're really hell-bent on like talking about the new honky trains, okay, how do you make that interesting to people who have never thought about trains before other than catching one on time and getting to work or getting to school? Um, that's all part of uh, uh, of what I do. And it's like, and yeah, and so it's totally, yes, yeah, it's your audience and you got to win them over. And if they don't like what you're saying, then then you're stuck, bud. So <laughs> um, you're talking about teaching empathy. Well, that's a big part of presentations, right? I mean, big, you really have to audience empathy with the audience is is huge. Okay, you got to tailor your message to your audience. You know, I'm gonna go grumpy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I want to bring up the issue of uptake again. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. this frightening concept. You know, there's all the studies that point to very little uptake from corrective feedback in writing. And mm-hmm. I think one of my seminar students actually did a thing about, I've talked about this maybe, about she did some research into looking at corrective feedback from on writing from machine correction versus human correction. Mm-hmm. And she's took <laughs> her and the no feedback. Um, and she found out that there was no uptake across the board that the same errors were made at the same rates, no matter mm. whether or not. I think that what we're t- the question is what we're teaching and things like, right, audience analysis, how much information does um, the audience have about this topic? How much experience do they have with the topic? You're right. How interesting is it for them? And then that really deep level question is, just because something's interesting for you, doesn't mean it's interesting for somebody else. And how do you make it interesting for them? Those are major leaps in terms of uh, skills and abilities and then doing it in a, in a second language. And I wonder how much is really, you know, sinking in with them. Because yeah, these, these guys are pretty good. Okay, you're talking about high-level students. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it's amazing because the high-level students really do get things, but that's why they're high-level students. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say, yeah, tautology? Are, they're, they're, they're hot shots. Okay. And, and hey, guys, if you're listening, thumbs up. Yeah, you know you, you know, are. Love you. We have. I have some of those. I got students. a lot of my a lot of my students listening too, because a lot of them are teachers. Yes, already they're like teaching in chukus and stuff, and uh, a lot of them are going to become teachers. So I think, yeah, in our audience, we got to. Yeah, we really do need so. to shout out to our students who, <laughs> the ones who you know, the ones who really, the kick ones ass. who come prepared, right? They, they kick ass. They, they the care ones, and they the good ones, and they great. pleasantly surprise you with just incredible insights and skills and jumps in their ability and hard work and effort thank you guys anyway so and the valentine's chocolate too thank you i don't get those anymore you know so anyway um so okay so we're teaching presentations and i think the life skill of looking at a group or looking at somebody and saying how do i communicate to them? and that might be a better way than saying persuasive right okay is being able to look at somebody and assess and say how what, how much does this person know about the topic? How interested are they in the topic? What language do I use? What level of information can I use? Those are very, very, very valuable. And that actually probably explains why so many presentations are poor and done badly is because the students haven't thought about that. They make the assumption that it might be interesting. But, you know, you know there's another real reason I think a lot of the presentations are not bad. And I try to explain to my students, you can't write your presentation or, you know, do your mind map an hour before class starts and expect to do a good presentation. And I think the idea of preparing and you know, getting students to videotape themselves or get to see themselves, there's a lot of value to that, but I just, I, 
I'm always a little hesitant to do that. Yes, because it's so, the, it's, especially if it's the first time you've done it, it's so hard. It's, it's so, so painful. It's so painful it's, to see yes. yourself. But, yes. you know, I'm wondering whether or not it's a good thing. But it makes students so nervous, you know. And it depends. It depends how intent they are on learning, right? So, so, I have only had to videotape myself once. I mean, you know, we're talking about presentation, but we're just about you know, it's a, you know teaching a class. Every class is a presentation, basically, right? Um, and I've only had to do that once. And you, you know, you, word you use is is right on. So painful, right? And the key word is once. It's just yeah. You just I, is that how I look? Is that is that what I say? Do I right? You know that feeling. Jeez. My word, oh. my word, my word. Okay, so but we, anyway, so you but do you important point that you brought like so you talked about why so many presentations were bad, and so you've got the idea with like our students and and oh so yeah the idea what you just said is like they're. Ideas about memorization, oh, right, uh, or or lack thereof, or being you know reading from a piece of paper, right? Which, you know, you you we all of us different classes, different situations allow or forbid all kinds of degrees. Like you have like read from mind maps, and mm, uh, depending on what class I'm teaching, they can have no paper, or I'll let them like read things and and even if they start reading it's like okay i'm not going to stop the presentation but i'm going to i'm going to really going to ding them for it but moving a little bit maybe away from like you know the classroom to a, like a bigger idea um in terms of the ideal you know the platonic form of what we're trying to teach um versus what what the reality is not only among our students but just like in general presentations why are so many presentations still so bad? And how do we break or, or um, keep our students from fa falling into those traps or, or following those models? Um, again, we, talk, we you know, think about great speeches and things, you know, Michelle Obama, Bill Clinton, um, but Martin Luther King... Steve Jobs Ro presentations. Well, no, it's speeches, right? Oh, speeches. Robert Kennedy, no. right? So we got all those these great model speeches, and you go like to presentations, and and yeah, when it comes to presentations, I think if you want to look for a positive model, um, I think you can begin and end with Steve Jobs. I would say though, by the way, that Malcolm Gladwell's TED Talk on spaghetti sauce is pretty good too. Mm, okay. It's a yeah, but so you use yeah. Okay. Gladwell's good. Gladwell's good. He's yeah, a good speaker. He's a very he's a good, good present. He's a good presenter. He's a good presenter. <laughs> yes, yeah. But yeah, content and, notwithstanding, yeah. You know, and I think talking about Steve Jobs and you know, and tying into what why are presentations so poor and what are the the things that um, Jobs does and I think maybe I'm jumping ahead here on a point, but. The real reason that most of the presentations I see are really poor is because of the slides. Yes, and um, in, that's in the that, biggest yeah. problem. Are and, uh, these it's, terrible, the biggest, yes, awful yes, 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 slides, and that and the interaction between the speaker and the slides. And well, they'll just slap all the information onto a slide and read the slide to the audience. It's the like slides are not your notes. Number one and number the slides two, are not your presentation. Yeah, and your notes two, are not your slides. Yeah. Right, and 
the slides support your talking, not the other way around, unless you've got some really important, interesting data. Right. You should be able to. You should be able to make your presentation without your slides. Yeah. You know, I'm just gonna make a tell a quick story here. Years ago, when I was up in um, Hokkaido teaching, and I had a seminar student, and really, really good student, hardworking um, young woman, and she was getting ready to do her presentation about her research, her senior research, and there's I think 30 people listening. You know, professors and other people in the department. And I turned to one of my colleagues and I said, you know, if I were really, really a, a, a good teacher, I would actually just unplug the projector and tell her that she has to present without her slides because that's a reality of life. Uh-huh. And the person turned to me and said that, I remember they went, Charles, you are truly the cruelest person I've ever met. And this yeah. is this is a true story. She starts talking and two minutes into her presentation, you hear pop bulb burns out of a ceiling mounted um projector guess what had to present without her slides <laughs> it's never happened to me I'm i couldn't so believe happy, it and i looked at the person it's never happened to me I, I know i know i know but i looked at the person you know and i was like yeah right i'm a cruel person <laughs> i didn't do that but it was amazing because she gave a great presentation she really rose to the occasion and the difference between the way she spoke with the slides and the way she spoke without the slides in terms of emotion and feeling and passion was really interesting. But yeah, the problem is the students give me these slides. You see the slides with like, you know, paragraphs on them, right? Right. It's like, Ooh. so. Why are you making, yeah. Yeah, right, 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 right. And, <laughs> you know, we have to look at the fact that PowerPoint, which is the original slide program and then Apple's Keynote or whatever and, uh, the other open source things that are around mm. that Google. I think that PowerPoint is the great crutch because what happens in most PowerPoint presentations is the lights go down, the speaker's in the dark, you've got the clicker or the remote control in your hand because your hand is definitely your enemy when you're giving a presentation, <clears throat> right? Your hands are moving everywhere and everyone's looking at the screen. So you've basically removed most of the stress from a presentation, most of the interaction, most of the human qualities of that. And that's, I think, part of the real reason that PowerPoint has become so popular. But yeah, these, I, I ban bullet points. You are not allowed mm-hmm. to have bullet points in your presentations. And you have to have a minimum of text and every slide has to have an image on it or a chart or a graph. And um, what's the guy's name who's really good about teaching this stuff? You you always talk about him. Oh, the book? Oh, the uh, presentations, and, presentations and Presentations and Gar Reynolds. Yes, that's the best book, isn't it? Yes. Period. Yep. So you're you know, I I yes, the the PowerPoint as a crutch uh that you said, that is that is it. And that is the maybe for today today modern presentations maybe the biggest problem is because people get completely turned around with the idea that their slides are their presentation and that is like a a, a doorway to hell you you that if you with that attitude you're, you're never going to get it slides your slides are there to supplement what you're saying your presentation is not your slides your presentation is you it is you. I'm, I'm pointing to my nose. 
for for Japanese, and I'm pointing to my heart for for English speakers. Um, but your presentation is you. The the slides are supplementary. Forget the slides. Uh, your presentation it's about telling a story. Okay, whether you create a, you know you explain a problem and then you present a solution. You have like a a question. You provide an answer. There's a story. Historically, human brains are yes. wired for stories. It's actually Tell not historically. St- it's actually evolutionary, right? It's like well, built- same. Okay, same okay, okay. Thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm evolutionary, being picky. Let me be picky. Yeah. Let me be picky. You can be picky. Okay. You can be picky. I'll let you that. Picky and grumpy. But yeah, we are hard, we are hard, evolutionary is maybe more accurate because we are hardwired yes. for stories. Yes, that's what I Because that's what, that, that, and that's how we've evolved. When we were ready, we're, we're receptive to stories. We want to hear stories. And stories are easy ways for us to remember what you're saying, whether it's informational or persuasional. Um, and people who know what they're talking about, and this is not my quote. I don't know who said this. But this is a quote. People who know what they're talking about don't need PowerPoint. You know, as you said, that, that bulb goes out, your presentation won't run, uh, you lost your, your your USB flash drive, whatever it's like. You don't you should be able to say what you're gonna say and and make your presentation without your slides, and it should still hold up. It should your presentation should hold up independent of your slides. Your slides should augment, but they should not be necessary. There's so many other things that are more important. Um, again, telling the story to the audience. Establishing an emotional connection with the audience, however you choose to do that, whether you do it like with a interesting comment at the beginning about um, the, the difficulty in finding parking or the temperature of the room or um, the overstringent security and coming in or the you know, location of the presentation, whatever it is. You need to somehow make a connection. You know, maybe it's the hottest day of the year. Maybe it's the coolest day. If you're lucky, it's like it's really, really hot. You can really say, yeah, the weather is hell, isn't it? You establish some kind of emotional connection with the audience. Um, and incredibly, the, you know, would I, this is one of the things that I always drill into my students. Oh, I you know, try, try to drill into my students. Um, the importance of preparation and rehearsal. We talked before about um, you. You mentioned like the, the balance of the kid who's like just like writes it up and starts reading from their paper for their mind map. Um, the, the day of the presentation is like no, no, no. That's not going to cut it. And I've kind of for the classes that I've. The taught with or with that are focused more on um, presentation structure into is that they their their presentation has to be done like for example a second semester has to be done like early December it has to be finished which confuses them because for them from December until like mid January that's preparation and rehearsal that that's your so you gotta you, Teaching them to build that in, and when we, I think when we talk about um, presentation, talking about positive, we, I said the the, the the speech people, right? Martin Luther King, um, uh, uh, John Kennedy, Bill Clinton, uh, Michelle Obama. Um, but when it comes to presentations, there's nobody, in my opinion, um, Steve Jobs. Well, his 
introduction of the iPhone, of the iPad, of the of the MacBook Air, which are all like within two years of each other, um, which which is is incredible all by itself. But the way that he does the presentations and the way he, I guess, maybe transformed the idea of, of presentations, he makes it look so easy, so casual. And if you've read, done the reading, if you have anything, that is done by over-preparation to the nth degree. Oh, he's famous for that, isn't he? And it's he a, was, and yes. so, yeah, he knows that at minute 24, he's going to be standing stage left saying these words with these gestures. It's like, he's, before he gets it, he's got it done. And yeah, and God forbid you're responsible for any disruption in that, in that, in that uh, presentation thing, like if something's not plugged in or something's come to waste with it, because he expects everything to go, 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 because he's done this hundreds of times. He's done it a hundred times. He knows this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. He, when you, if you watch him do a presentation, he never looks back at his slides because he knows exactly what slide is showing to the audience. He doesn't like read from his slides to the audience because they can read faster than he can speak the words. Um, He's he, and he tells the and you know all this and interestingly about about telling the story right um there was a uh, another it was it's a TED talk, a, here we are meta presentations about presentations um this uh, woman did a TED talk presentation about analyzed one of Steve Jobs presentations and like did did a whole linear analysis of. What he was doing at each time, whether he's giving, connecting with the audience, giving new information, persuading, blah, 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 blah. and then she lined it out with like um, I don't remember the specific work of literature, but like a, a story, and compared like the lines about like setting, making, you know, creating the setting, characters, problem, solution, problem, solution, resolution, and mapped it all out, and it was like. Damn, it was really, really impressive. So this idea of like framing your presentation in idea of telling a story, information, creating a world, and maybe creating a problem that may or may not exist, but you create a situation. It's like, okay, and this is what I need to do. Is like, and hey, guess what? This is what I got for you. Whether it's a way of thinking, whether it's a product for you to buy, whether it's you know, just a different way of living your life. Um, he's he's pretty good. He's pretty good, and uh, well, I'll include some links to to these presentations and take a look at it. And it's like not in terms of what he's trying to sell, but look because because you know he, he is he's the just distortion reality field, right? Reality. Well, I'm sorry, reality distortion field. Um, yeah, you go in there and do his presentation. It's like, and when you walk out, it's like, yeah. You you in, I walk out of there with an open wallet and you willing to go stand in line for something, whether it's an iPhone or an iPad or whatever. And it's like, you know, it's it's a phone. It's just a phone. But somehow this this man has convinced you that it's the answer to all your problems. And people camp out waiting f- to give this his company their money. He's really, 
really, really good at that. He's really, really good at that. Well, we forget that before Steve Jobs didn't have these product rollouts that way. Now it's required, right? Right, and, right. Uh, and absolutely. And most of the people who do it are so bad, it's really frightening. And that's in Steve Jobs is really good. But um, talking about presentations and um, trying to move this along, Tony, in terms of how we teach, right? What The really interesting thing I'm thinking about is the iPhone came out in 2007, right? And then yes. the MacBook Air was 2008 and the iPad was 2010. But what I really remember... No, no, no. Let's see. Uh, iPhone 2007, iPad 2008... MacBook Air 2008. No, the really? Yes, Same the first, year? the first, the first MacBook Air. Okay, no, because what I was going to say. Okay, so not my MacBook. My MacBook came out 2011. Okay, but the first MacBook. I thought, but the first iPad was when? 2008. Really? The iPads are yeah. Now, wow, they're ten years yeah. old. Wow. Okay, yeah. but and what so I remember, all those all those came out in this within like two years of each other. Right, time. and I'm thinking though that I want to just before I forget this idea mm-hmm. is that it's a really good teaching thing because what you have is I remember that the introduction of the iPhone is the only time I've seen an animation that I thought was great. You know, the one where he has the three things. It's a web browser. It's a phone. Mm. It, you know that? Do you, do you get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? You and get it's spinning it? around, right? <laughs> so that's a really good example where I say, look, unless you can make an animation of this quality that actually communicates so clearly, don't use animations. But the other thing, though, is that great... It's the wonderful thing when he pulls the MacBook Air out of the envelope. Manila envelope, yeah. That. So what you have are you have two, one perfect example of an animation and the other one of just theater, of just gesture, of drama. Those are really good. So I will agree with you that in many ways I think he's really good. And how he uses the slides and the consistency of the slides and the simplicity of the slides. The simplicity of the slides. And we go back to Gar Reynolds, yes, right? Because yes. he that Gar Reynolds book presentations, and I, we'll probably get to it again, I hope, at the end. I'll, I'll stick it in again. But, yeah, it's he's got a, a bunch of books out there, presentations and Gar Reynolds. Um, it's a it's a great two-thirds of a book. There's some fluff in uh, there. You know, I'd say it's a great one-third of a book, but that's okay. One-third? Okay. So but you know me, I'm just going to be let's, more critical. Let's compromise. Let's call it a half book. But, but the key there, there's is... There's so much good stuff in but there. But the good stuff are his good slides and bad slides. It's Absolutely. I agree his, 100%. His real thing is slide design. That book is... Yep for slide design and helping your students understand what makes a good slide. I don't know about the rest of the things and the other stuff. Uh, but- the, I, I would say that like the initial, when he talks about like um, initially, like when you're thinking about your stuff to stay analog as long as possible. Yes. Don't fall into, don't go when you say, Oh, got to do a presentation. Let's open a PowerPoint. No, well, no, no, no. Let me ask you this then. Sketch out your ideas and then go to PowerPoint okay. or keynote. For example, the first my students have to do pretty much six to seven presentations over a 15-week semester. I mean, they're really presenting a lot, pretty much mm-hmm. every other week or as much even every week to some degree. And they are not allowed to use PowerPoint pretty much until the 11th week. I ban okay. any kind of slides and they're just talking because I want them learning how to give the presentation, as you said, how to tell mm-hmm. the story. Mm-hmm. How do you do? Do you follow that or do you... It's very close to that. Okay. So it's very close to that. So they're first like so for the whole year, I have them like for thirty weeks. That's nice. That's nice in this situation. And yes. And so only their the first only until their final pre- presentation of the first semester 
are they allowed to use PowerPoint slides type thing? Before that, it's all just them. Okay. So they're not allowed to use slides. So that, I think, is one of the most important teaching tips for presentations <clears throat> for any teacher. Because they're really like very different things, right? It's like the, 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 actual, the actual speaking skills and the preparation skills and, and, and structural and topic, topic, audience, structure, et cetera, et cetera. That's one thing. And, and then slide design is a whole other thing. Yes. And if you don't ban the slides, they will spend all their time designing their slides. And not, right, and they not will not memorize, they, they, they will not have any idea what they're saying. They'll just work at all. This is even true right. for my graduate students. I, um, we have a, a, a course I, have, I teach. Um, it's in, for master students, and it's on presentation. And I'll, I've asked them, I said, how much time did you spend designing your slides versus actually <clears throat> working on the structure, outlining, and then practicing your presentation? And it turns into something like 70, 30, if I'm lucky. And 70% mm. of the time is slide design. And thirty percent is, you know, really practical. They almost, they almost always put too much time into, into slides, web, into yes. web slide design, and as as you know, um, they just try to pack too much text, too much information. Uh, I hesitate to say this because, like, information is they just pack too much text. Onto the slide, yeah, text, say, text, text. Right, so you know, it's like because because there's all kinds of information, right? And I and I did this, what I, what I think is a very good um, um, presentation, a set of slides to to supplement a presentation. I did. Now, this is how you do it, and uh, this is for uh, I made it for a low level group, uh, not not, and um, I I. I in, you know, intentionally chose a non-serious topic. So I, was like, I was talking about like my sports cars that I owned in my life, and uh, I, I put together like a four-minute, five-minute presentation uh, with slides, and consciously minimized the words. And I, I haven't done a word count, but I would guess. In that four-minute presentation, there's probably less than a hundred words. I will, I will say, thinking about it, absolutely, there's less than a hundred words. So basically, what you've got like is like, like a slide titles and images um, of you know, a little bit of history of sports cars, the the idea of sports cars in the '60s and '70s. And then my cars, and then like today, and it's like I, I pull it all together. It's like so. This is the, this is how you do it, and you know how you do the research, how you have this, and this is how you pull it all together. And I and I put it together in a day or two for um, this one specific class to kind of show them. It's like yeah, this is how you do it because modeling is really important, right? Mm. Well, modeling is very very important. That's why I like the Malcolm Gladwell talk. Or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he gets on and he, there's just like one picture of tomato sauce <laughs> and the rest of it's just him telling stories. It's a great model for people telling stories. It's also a great model for persuasive speaking of persuasive presentation, because by the end, you realize he's totally persuaded you without ever appearing to do so. It's a really interesting talk. But what I've done is I ban text from slides. Students actually cannot have any text on their nice. slides. I like that. Just no, no text. And I like it. 
you know, you teach them that a slide is like a paragraph. It's one idea per slide, but you have to ban the text. Otherwise, there's they're going to just put text on it. Yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so that's yeah. another helpful thing. I just go, nope, no text. If there's text on the slide, zero points. Nope, nope, can't do that. And it's amazing they still put text on the slides, you know, and I don't know <laughs> for what reason. So there's that and, you know, the idea that the slide... Um, has to be understood without an explanation is the other thing. And the importance of telling them that, you know, uh, that, you know, if you put text on the slide, people are not listening to you anymore. Right. They're reading. They're reading. And, yeah, and big, big, big point. Big, the big other point. problem, this is, and this is, I don't know if this happens in the United States. I'm just, you know, I just don't know. But this thing in Japan where you hand out your slides to the audience before you even talk, you print, you've got the printout of your slides. Well, your handout and your slides should be completely different things. Yeah, right, right, right. But this is what they do. You print out your, I your presentation. And as I tell my students, I go, why would I listen to you if I already know what you're talking about? Well, I'll just take the handout and go home. Well, I don't yeah, need this. Right, right, I can right. read. Yes. And I can, it'll take me a lot less time. It's like, you're going to talk for 50 minutes. I can read this in 10. Goodbye. I'll go, yes. I'll go listen to somebody else. Yeah, so we're, there's some – does that happen in the United States? Do people pass out their slides like that? Don't know. I, I assume so. Yeah. See, uh, to me, it's just like I'm going to do that at the end. I I assume that we that we now we observe this here, but we also read about it. That yes, it must happen there. Okay. So no text on the slides. Number one. Then I limit the slides. To, I like I like that no text. Yeah. 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 Do that. It really forces them. Say so you got to get a picture that expresses or communicates what you're saying, or you know that you know. Helps the audience understand. But the other thing that I'll, I'll probably let, I'll probably allow them a title. Yes, because that's kind of what I do. Well, give them right? like so a three four word a, thing. Yes, exactly one line. Yes, but if you do one In line, image. they'll use like twelve point font to get forty two words. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing you have to teach, you know, and it's a basic thing. Um, we're talking about presentations, and it's a lot of different skills. But there's been a change recently. I noticed that students are bringing computers to classrooms. In the last mm. year, and at some of my schools, that's it. But before, there were no students who would ever bring devices right. to school. But so it's a trend. Yes. So, but it's amazing to me to see how the students don't position the computer so that they're the members in their group, the three or four people, can actually see what they're doing. So again, it's that teaching of thinking about your audience, putting your audience first, mm -hmm. remembering that because you know what'll happen is when students do their presentations. Um, God, we get this sometimes in these meetings where at my university, um, where somebody will make a presentation and they have so much text and I'm in the back of the room because that's where the people in my department sit. And, you know, there's like 500 words and arrows and charts and things. And you ask yourself, you know, did it, the person designing the slide, did they ever put it up on a screen and go to the back of the room? And look and try and see what the hell. Yeah, because I want to turn to somebody. I, I want to say to somebody. I want to raise my hand and go, "Excuse me, but you need to take a presentation class." You know. Um, but this yes. is what the students are exposed to. And again, I don't know if this is a cultural thing. Correct me or not. But it's the difference between Japanese websites and, let's say, American oh. websites, right? Yeah, I used to teach in English, and I used to teach uh, kids how to make websites. And I'm very, very familiar with this phenomenon. We look like. For example, at the, the the Mazda site for like Japan, Mazda site for the U.S., and the Ford site for Japan, and that it's not just websites, but it's just like handouts and things, and it's like, you know, totally 
anti-intuitive that like the, the design aspect is like where you would kind of think that you know people here would like tend to more you know, minimalist. You'd think that they would follow the Japanese yeah. aesthetic. Yeah, yeah wabi sabi, yeah. minimalist. It's like design no, principles no. is like it's like this assault on the visual. No, senses. I think what they do is they they follow the population model, which is let me see if we can have the maximum Cram amount of more people, the and, maximum yeah, amount of and, stuff. And use in, use bold and big and multiple. Oh. yeah, it's just this cascade of like visual assault. Right, and that's again but, why Gar Reynolds' book is so good. Yeah, it's really It really good. helps the students to grasp it. He he presents it pretty well. One would hope. Yeah, yeah. One would we'll, hope. We'll, have link, we'll have links for all this stuff. Right. And so. well, but the, well, how about... Oh, I'm oh, sorry. No, no. I was going to say that the constraints are really important. And it really helps students. So one of the things I good, do... I, good word. Yeah, yes. You're absolutely... No, no, absolutely. It's like you, you know... In, Self-imposed constraints is like really limit, 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 limit because do this is one point when you're making a presentation, you you putting together slides or and and the whole thing is like this is really the time where you want to like self-impose limits. Um you have all kinds of ideas, you've got all kinds of information, you've got you need to pare that way, 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 way down. And you need to make it into a packageable, understandable unit so that it's accessible to your audience. And if that means that you have to like cut out all kinds of stuff that you really love, you gotta do it. This is a kind of a kind of idea about like like basic writing, right? Like 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 fiction writing and stuff that you know, I've read a lot about because I'm writing, writing, writing. Um it's like famous famous quote kill your babies it's like you may you may have all these emotional connections to these little bits or tidbits or factoids or whatever it's like step back and it's like okay think about your audience think about the message that you're trying to convey does this help convey your message to your audience and if if you're at all doubtful cut it out and it's painful yes but that's what you do that's what you do. Cut it out. I I do that in two ways. Um, in presentations, what and I also sometimes use this in writing, but especially in presentation classes, I have the students have to be able to answer this question. By the end of my presentation, the audience will, and they have to make a statement. By the end of my presentation, the audience will know about my family members and understand what each of my family members' hobbies are and where they were born, for example. And then I say, that's what you're working towards. So that helps constrain the students. That's excellent. You know, I, I like that. That's a, it's a helpful I, thing. I, well, we use it I, in teaching, right? By the end of the class, the students will, right? That's how we always teach. We figure out the objective. So you give them the objective that by the end of the presentation, the audience will, you know, understand will do will ah by the end of the presentation the audience the audience will buy the car you know i talk about sales like you do in the sense that that's a presentation well you can do that in your teaching if you're a masochist <laughs> <laughs> and i'm i'm chicken man <laughs> i can't do that okay well i'm, I'm not selling cars I can, I can hope to i'm not selling cars but here's how i know for a fact that from my experience, the constraint works really well. In my writing classes, I, we've talked about this, my 12-word rule, 
where no sentence can be longer than 12 words. And if the sentence goes over 12 words, I just, you know, the sentence gets cut. And mm. students hate that. And they say, but this is not a real, <laughs> it's not real life, you know? And I say, my sentence are wrong. I say, I know it's a, it's a t learning tool and the students hate it. But at the end of the semester, you know, what I find out is I actually can see that the student sentences are better. They're writing uh -huh. more clearly. Uh -huh. sure. They've cut things out because they're getting their sentences. You know, it's killing the babies, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, and it's, it's, it's the hardest thing to do. So but, constraints yeah. in presentations, time constraints, number of slides constraints, um, text on slides yeah. are real important. Yeah, and those are all, all of those things, in addition to like the slide design, all of those things are very well addressed in the in the in the Gar Reynolds like presentation book. Yes, okay. that's a, yeah, then. yeah. For yeah, yeah. for slide Good design, stuff. it's it's definitely the go to guide. There's there's a, there's, a, there's other stuff to be learned, but he's really. But really I like his stuff on very, slides. Very, very I mean, there's a couple of where he compares the good ones to the bad ones right next to each other. And, perfect. And it, perfect. It really shows you what works because, you know, again, it's what you said. You know, the Japanese aesthetic of simplicity and minimalism. You know, this is what you say. Make the slide. Bring it down to its minimal, minimally necessary component. Yeah. Okay. Hard, and it's hard work, right? right? So we've got that of slides we've talked about evaluation um, well, how about yourself charles what what, what your own presentations um just to, to, to well they're fantastic and wonderful and they're the oh, yeah all your wonderful presentations <laughs> you that know, you've done like which one stands out oh, but well <laughs> i mean of course they're all wonderful but like which one stands out we we haven't done a presentation together have we've we? never presented together that might be we were supposed to do it once we were supposed and to I, do and once I, and, and, and you i wimped out, out. You, yeah, you copped I out i think out, yeah and I remember I gave I did that presentation with really severe back pain. I remember <laughs> it was my back was really hurting that day. Um, Sorry, but to answer your question, the last couple of times that I've presented, let's say at like Jolt, Jolt Call, or um, some of the other presentations, I've kind of thought about it this way. And maybe I'm this is again how what a contrarian I am and a pain in the neck, but. As educators, we know that a teacher-centered classroom is not the way to go, and that it should be student-centered with a high level, a high degree of collaboration and student involvement, right? And then I go to all these teaching conferences, and what happens? I end up listening to somebody talk. The sage on the stage. Exactly. So it's kind of like, uh, uh, excuse me, what part of this are you not getting? <laughs> so, right, even though, and so my favorite ones is when the person who's talking to me is talking about how we have to have increased collaboration and that if the students are not engaged, there's no learning going on. And you're kind of like, uh, there's a joke here, right? Hey, excuse you're me. You're being ironic without knowing it. Right. <laughs> so what I've done in my presentations and whatever I present now, I do a quick introduction. My slides are my data. And then I say, okay, what do you see? What do you think? Where do you connect? Here's something I thought. And then I open it up to the audience and I just facilitate the discussion. Those are my presentations how now. How fun is that? I mean, that, that's, that's, that's really cool. Actually, it's great. People say they really enjoy it. They, I get a lot of yeah, engagement. Because they're, they're sitting there prepped to be like sitting to be bored to death. And it's like, well, suddenly it's like, oh. We don't have to listen to some shithead <laughs> for like an no, hour. No, we're, like, we're just gonna have the shithead we, we, facilitate we, we, for we, us. <laughs> we can actually, we can actually like talk about our ideas and stuff. But That's you know great. what's great about it is I get 
I get such good input. I like, I didn't see that. Didn't think of that. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Right. So instead, instead of so one of the things I, I I'm not this. I will not present like that any longer. Hmm. You know, I'll say, okay, here's some data. You guys go into little groups. Let's see what we can do. Put it together, and I just think this model again. This is what goes back. Is I think I like it. We should be teaching facilitation rather than presentation. We should be teaching, um, um, what am I thinking? Debate. We shouldn't be teaching debate. We should be teaching negotiation. So I would like to, my, my response to you, Tony, about how my presentations go is that, yeah, I should, I'm just facilitating the same way I facilitate in a class. Well, I'm kind of humbled because that's really kind of like double, you know, inverted whatever but it's like yeah taking that concept like how you present to teachers and it's like well all right let's take that and put that in the classroom and it's like (laughs) um it's i i know it's a maybe a bigger step than most of our students are, are are willing to or able to take but hmm, that's a nice a little you know well whatever you call it a, a, a nice approach I, I like that that's cool you mean the facilitating yeah yeah just like here's the data you you figure it out yeah well I like it that's I mean it's great yeah that's what I've done um because again every time I think you know we always talk about sage on the stage you know chalk talk and chalk, chalk and talk, whatever, right? And then you watch people just do it again. And it's weird. So what about you? What about, how have you been doing your presentation? Because you do the, um, some of, what is it? The K-Mug? The Kansai Mac Users Group? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I do presentations maybe once or twice a year for uh, a a Macintosh user group here in Japan. And um, I break all the rules that I've talked about here. Cause it's a uh, really, you know, I, it's a very, very different thing. It's just like, I am the sage on the stage. You know, <laughs> I'm a sage on the stage. I'm the information God. And, um, but I, um, m- almost always, uh, there, there, there are exceptions. Um, but I almost never use like PowerPoint or key note type slides because so often my presentations involve, um, uh, things that do with like the operating system itself and operating the computer itself. And so it's like, it's not PowerPoint or slide things. It's like, like actually live demonstration of the, of the functionality of the, of the machine and, or the operating system. So I'm just showing things like in reality rather than like as slides or anything. I'm, I'm guy, we're just watching, you know, we're going through this step by step, step by step. And, um, how you do this and how you do that and how you're able to do this and how you can't do this and et cetera, et cetera. And um, just by necessity, I mean, ordinarily, like presentations, you know, should be, you know, maximum 20 minutes. And people people can't listen to you for 20 minutes. At these, um, at the, these K-Mug presentations, it's like I'm generally the, the main presenter and I play like the double session. So it's like, Two times forty-five minutes. So, if you if you love me, it's probably a a good afternoon. But if you don't, it's 
it's an ordeal, I'm sure. It's an ordeal for me and it's an ordeal for the audience because all these rules are broken. But that's what it is. But it's a but it's a it's a focused, dedicated audience. And if I do say so myself, it's it's information heavy. Um it's a it's it's a full load of of, of information, um, a lot of uptake, but it's fatiguing for the audience, and I get that. But I'm not. I'm, I'm. I'm trying to give information. I'm not trying to be entertaining. Uh, I'm just trying to help people. And it's like, okay, here's you. You want you want to know how to do this? Okay, I'm going to open the tap now. Open up. Here we go. It's like, and, and I just shovel it in. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of information. And so it's, I'm not trying to be. I don't need to entertain. I don't need to be a good presenter. And the people but, are there for I mean, a specific reason. They're there for a specific. And they're dedicated and stuff. And so you know. I, I, I am who I am, and my personality is there. It's like you like it, or you you hate it, and whatever it is, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna flavor everything that comes through. But that's what I do. Um, more challenging, just it's very very briefly. I'm talking about my own presentations in the past, and this is actually a long time ago, but um, very very different for me and, and challenging because I have no idea what the, what I was looking at, um, but. F- through my my wife, who uh, many years ago um, helped set up a English language um, school in Russia, in Vladimir, not not far from Moscow, but not Moscow at all. It's a very different city and a um, very historically important city. Um, the University of Vladimir, with her connection. We were there about five years ago, six years ago, um, and uh, had made a presentation to the English teachers there. A couple of presentations. One, um, what I chose to do there was uh, did a presentation talking about the unique challenges of teaching in Japan. And um, what I did there was kind of outline what I did with my higher level students here, which would be what I thought would be useful for their students there because, you know, you know, Japan, Russia, um, students studying English, they're much, much more highly motivated to learn English for very, very practical, um, private and personal reasons that they really want to need it to learn English. So I mean, just people, they're just more serious. They, 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 they want to learn English. They don't want to get a grade. They don't want to get credit. They want to learn English. And so I, I talked about like the challenges of teaching here in Japan, and that was one. And it was it was it was funny. I'm not going to talk about the presentation itself, but it was. But well, I guess I can. Um, the interesting thing is while I was talking about teaching um, English in Japan, basically my 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 slides were a, a slideshow of um, pictures of my various classes, you know, e- either individual or group. Um, photos of my classes that I've taken. So when I was talking about teaching my students, they were looking at the faces of my students. Nothing to do about statistics, no no numbers. And they're just like, this is like a little slideshow, fade in, fade out. Uh, students, they can see my students. These, these, are the, these are the people that I'm teaching. And um, it, was, it was kind of funny because it had nothing to do with presentation skills or presentations, but it was kind of interesting. Because I'm just talking, I was like, well, this is, this is what I've done. This is my, 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 my you know, high-level university, but there's like 40, 45 kids in the class, 
very, very high level, most of them bilingual, um, fun, challenging. And I thought that was most maybe appropriate for these, for these folks. And so afterwards we broke up and we talked about it and said, yeah. And the teachers came up to me and they were like, we're so, we're so happy our bosses aren't here. Because what you, what you were talking about is just like, it's like heresy. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 what do you mean? It's like, you said, you said you have 45 students in your class? I go, yeah. We have, we have 20 students in our class and we feel it's too much. We're trying very hard to reduce the size of our classes. Like, you just keep doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keep doing that. Yes. <laughs> because 45 students in classes is impossible. Um, and then, and then I did another another presentation like the next day, same day, next day. I can't remember. Uh, like on uh, Japanese uh, business meetings, <laughs> which anybody, anybody with any experience, you know what exactly I'm talking about. How you, how different, like you know, the meetings in Japan are so different from most Western meetings. And and I don't know how useful that was for them or not, but like I had to do two presentations of what I chose, so. Um, yeah, so I did the, the, those two in Russia and the K-Mongs. And so those those three presentations, each of them in their own way, um, go completely against everything that we've talked about uh, in the last hour or so. Jeez, sorry, guys. Long one. But... Um, yeah, very long one. <laughs> but, yeah, very long. <laughs> um, but uh, that's kind of how... But you know, you get all these like ideas and rules about how what presentation should be, but it kind of goes back to audience. Um, you really need, you know, think really, really hard about your audience, really tailor your message and your method and your you know media, everything. It's like who are you talking to? I think that's the, I think that's really the most important thing. Like one, who you're talking to, two really know because it sounds stupid but it's really not it's like what are you saying really what is your message what is the message you're trying to convey say okay who you who you're talking to and what are you trying to say and then when you have a very good handle on that then you kind of then you can start Hmm. What about you, Charles? Anything, you know, your, your presentations recently, what have um, you been doing? You know, I'm just trying to think through the last time I did a real pure talk hmm. um, or which one was successful. And I think um, a few, number of years ago, maybe 2006, I can't even remember when, I was applying for a job and part of it, the job was that you had to give a presentation to the staff, the, the faculty, and then you were interviewed the next day. And I gave about my research. And I remember that um, I started off by using the Gregorian, is it the Gregorian knot? Yeah, I think right? so. As a story. Mm. And I had this yeah. picture of the knot and I told the whole story of Alexander <clears throat> and how Alexander gets there started off with the story really told the story very well 
and then you know explained how Alexander Slice is not. And then I used that to say, look, I'm not here to tie things together. I'm here actually to try to take things apart and show you what the inside of the workings are. And then I went in through my um, research and explained it. And I remember um, one of the professors there, a really nice guy uh, from, interesting man from England, he just said, he goes, you had me with the Gregorian Knot story. He goes, I was just reading <laughs> right about Alexander the Great. And it was a really good presentation. Oh, cool. And by, it was um, my wife pointed out something really interesting, which is that she said um, she'd never seen me prepare so much before. Or no, yeah. she said, I'd never seen you prepare a presentation because we went up to Hakodate and they would go out sightseeing. And I stayed in the hotel room just practicing and practicing and practicing. And probably was the best presentation of my life. Um, well, I think that's it. I mean, because it's practice. Right, right there. And I was motivated. Yes. I was if, motivated. If there was motivation, but like the whole thing with presentation, that preparation is so important. Preparation, preparation, right. preparation. If you, you know, do this the last hour and a half or whatever it is, it's like one word. It's like preparation. It's like, you know, get it together and preparation. Right. Preparation, and it shows because people can tell right away when, unless you're yes. really good. Um, I'm thinking a couple of pieces of advice, bits of advice, and I tell this to my students, is that you cannot use a joke unless every you've told the joke to like 25 or 30 of your friends and everybody's laughed. If one person <laughs> does not laugh at your joke, you can't use the joke Don't because I can yeah. speak from experience and tell you that's using a joke that is not funny, especially as your hook or your opening is one of the worst feelings in the world. It's just terrible. It's number one. So be careful with jokes. And the uh, But that's very, very cultural. Yes, that's yes, very, yes, very right. You, you, having a joke go across cultures is really hard. But No, 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 no. Not only that. Not only that. Because I do the um, intercultural class. And one of the things that's, that, I, that always comes up, that, well, it's, it's, it's probably it's information that I've cached from other places. But it's probably, it's part of my textbook too. It's Americans. Love jokes. We begin speeches with jokes. And Japanese begin speeches with apologies. Isn't that Marishita, the guy from Sony, who started off one of his presentations by saying, I'm sorry, but I have to explain that in America, people start off with a joke, and in Japan, we start off with an apology. <laughs> I don't know that he actually something said like that, that, we know that it's true, yeah. Like that. But that's absolutely true. So it's like, yeah, it's a, we, and, and I, I read that a long, long time ago, and it's like, yeah. Damn, that's true. Yes. And the other thing, <laughs> and I, I'm sorry. And every time I've tried to make a speech, I was just like, I was like, okay, it's like, oh, try, okay, cut the joke. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. And the other ahead. thing I've done, I, I really, really, I, I'll stop a presentation immediately when the student will start off by saying, I'm sorry, but I didn't prepare. <laughs> right? And I go, okay, you can't give your presentation. And they're really shocked. Ready, and I said, go home. why should, I, why should anyone listen to you when you're announcing that you haven't go prepared? Home. Go home. Go home, yeah. Yeah, right. But the, as for teachers, one real big important piece of advice that I suggest real strongly also is you got to work on students' abilities to answer questions because that's where a lot of people fail. They prep their presentations and they can't answer questions. And this goes back to something you said, Tony, which is that the key to a good presentation is knowing your subject. If you know right. your subject, you'll be able to answer questions, but people think that they can just talk. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to say those are the couple of things. Um, 
that I think are really important. And it's really more comes down to that most of the time that you see a student not succeeding well in a presentation class, ask them how much they practiced and make it clear to them that they're not practicing enough. And that's why, by the way, when we do presentations like midterm presentations and final presentations, they always take two weeks. Mm -hmm. There's round one, round two. The students do the presentations, they get the feedback from the other students, they see the scores, and then they go back home and they have to improve their presentations. And they do that usually by adding a time requirement and a slide requirement. So they have to you know, do the plus alpha for the following week. But give them mm. chance, you know, give them the opportunity to do it again and improve. But I think that's where I'm going to end it because I think we're really going late, Tony. This might be our we're longest. This is our longest this, this, ever. This is the longest. This is the longest ever. But yeah, ab- absolutely. I think that like um, what you just what you just ended on, like that redo, um, same presentation, do it again, do it again, make it better, make it better, polish it, hone it. That. I think rinse has, and repeat. Rinse and repeat. I think that's mm. the biggest problem. Is I see students in other classes, and they they do three presentations a year, and they get one shot, and there's no chance mm. to practice. And we know. I, I know. Yeah, no, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know from experience that the more students write without any, you know, the free writing thing, the more mm-hmm. free writing they do, the better their writing gets. Mm-hmm. The more you do something, even without direct correction, the better you get. So give students. Learn by doing. Right. And get rid of these one off in front of the entire class presentations. That's the biggest suggestion I make. Put your students into groups of three or four. They get to do their presentations three to four times in a class. You know, by the time my students are done with my presentation classes, they've given like 40 presentations in a 15 week period. Think about that. That's a lot of experience. Anyway, I'm going to stop at this point. So have we agreed to stop? Because we're way over our usual time. So I, w- I would just also say one, one sentence please. Um, that, that not, not to take that as an absolute, but if your situation allows for it, um, one last opportunity for those students to take all of those things that they've learned and all those you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 um, presentations, if your class size and your calendar provides for it to allow them to then have them be able to perform one final swan song and shine mm. and pull all that together. Um, that's, uh, that's a good that's thing. That's a good idea. It's yes. Always, I like that. It's idea. not always, it's not always practical and you can't always do it. But if you but could, yeah, I, it's a great idea. I've, 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 I've seen this and I've seen it with like, you know, like, like, done this kind of thing and the student does their final presentation and they're walking back and it's like, like yeah yeah i nailed this shit <laughs> it's like, it like good yeah and i'm with you i'm with you i'm with you you did you got it and it was like yeah they learned it and they did it and you know what's better for the student what's better for the teacher they'll it, never it's, forget it's, it's that a feeling. wonderful moment they'll never right? forget that yeah good point it's a great moment okay and on that note what better point to end eh? i'm charles Wiz. Tony We're Silva. two teachers talking long. <laughs> Too long. <laughs> talking and talking and, and talking, talking and talking. And presentations. Okay, Tony, let's make it a, give it. We are. Let's just wrap it, okay? Wrap it. Okay. See you. Be well. <laughs>